Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. Well, uh, Mr. Pfeiffer. This spring, for one incredible night, everyone will fall in love at first sight when magic blends fate. I hate thee and love Helen. A hand. Thou art as wise as thou art beautiful. I love thee. By my life, I do. I say I love thee more than he can do. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pfeiffer Fridays, where we walk you through the films of one Michelle Pfeiffer, and every F word automatically has a silent P. I'm Michael McLean. And I'm Jerry Downey. And today we are covering 1999's A Midsummer Night's Dream, starring, in alphabetical order, uh, Christian Bale, Rupert Everett, Callista Flockhart, Anna Friel, Bill Irwin, Gregory Jabara, Kevin Klein, Roger Reese, Sam Rockwell, David Strathairn, Stanley Tucci, Dominic West, and last but certainly not least, La Pfeiffer as Titania, the Queen of the Fairies. Not even remotely least. Not even remotely least. So Jerry, was this the first watch for you of this movie? No, but this is only my second watch of this one. Okay. So I watched it for the first time. I watched it for the first time. It couldn't have been too long after it came out because it was my sophomore year of high school because mm -hmm. we were doing Midsummer. And I just, I, someone had the DVD at school and I asked to borrow it so I could watch it. But I have not watched it since then. And I did not remember enjoying it when I watched it in high school. Okay. Uh, I had a much better time Th this round I found a lot more to enjoy about it it seems like as the years went on all I really remembered was the stuff I disliked from the yeah. first watch so I had a pretty sour taste in my mouth but I yeah I I actually quite enjoyed it or enjoyed a lot of it this round did you do your school's production of of this play were you I in it did it was my first show in high school and I was Oberon oh my gosh well right fairies me me it's you <laughs> what a great part oh i was thrilled can you describe your costume can you tell us yes so our costume designer basically like modeled my pants after like mc hammer pants and they were this green like forest green kind of velvet and she studded them with gold studs all over it and then kind of had this multi-purpose top it was kind of like a sheer uh maroon mm -hmm. uh, top over it and then when it hit my waist it flowed out behind me as a cape uh and then had this like uh, headband of uh leaves and and sticks and stuff it was beautiful I, I i loved that costume i stole it i i it stayed in my closet forever and ever yes oh good oh I know sometimes those costumes in high school just make you feel your fantasy. We, yeah, we had a phenomenal costume designer for that one. And it, it, amazing how much they got done considering, you know, in high school, if you're not a speaking role, you have 1700 fairies that you yeah. still have to costume and make look good. And, and they did. So yeah, it, it was impressive. That's great. 
Have you ever done Midsummer? No, I've done, um, I've done other Shakespeare plays. I've done, um, I, when I was a little boy, I did The Winter's Tale. Lovely. And then in high school, I did As You Like It and Macbeth. And then in college, I did As You Like It again. See, in college, I did Midsummer again. I was Peter Quince. Oh my, and Peter Quince, is he? He's Roger Reese. Roger He's Reese. the leader of the mechanicals. Oh my gosh. Another great casting for you. It was, it was fun. It, like, I don't, I don't care which mechanical you are. If you're in the mechanical troupe, you're going to have a really badass time in Midsummer. It's just how it's going to go. It's amazing how I, I definitely wanted to be either probably Puck. I think maybe like when I, cause I've actually never read this play. This was never the ones that I read in school. Um, we were never assigned this and I never, high school or college, we never did a production. That's so fascinating to me. Cause I know we, it's not one of the ones we, we read in English either, but like you were one of the first people that I have not heard being in any way associated with Midsummer. I feel like everybody has done it at least once. I mean, I guess you say like my college did it after I left, but I was, I never did it during my time in school. So, but yeah, it feels like it's almost the straight play. It's almost like the straight play version of, you know, you do Oklahoma or it's like you do like a Rodgers and Hammerstein show. You know, if you need a good play to do in your school, you do Midsummer. Well, it's just so accessible and it's, it's fun. Big cast. Every, every, big cast, everybody is young for the most part which is why it's great for high schools because you know the fairies can be ageless but like the central quartet at very least should be very young it's a young show so yeah yeah and it's just it's just fun especially if you have a director that has a very specific vision for it Mm -hmm. it's uh i yeah both both times i've been in a midsummer it's been incredible yeah i i was like you know, I think I really would want to be now if I hopefully I would love to do it someday um I would love to be one of the mechanicals that's all I really want to do yeah and yeah I don't I've never seen this live I've I've never seen this movie so this is really my first time really being with kind of the full story of this play uh, and yeah it's uh I enjoyed it we can get into more how what we liked about it but do we want to talk about what it's about for anyone who has never sure had. is it my is it my turn for synopsis i guess i remember the one thing i remember from last week is that <laughs> i talked through some synopsis last week okay so so we've basically got three core groups of people we're talking mm-hmm. about in this one we've got the athenians which is two couples hermia lysander demetrius helena mm-hmm Lysander and Hermia want to get married. Hermia's dad is a cock and says, no, she's got to marry Demetrius. And Demetrius thinks he's in love with Hermia, even though he's been going to town on Helena, who is very much in love with him. So, you know, you've got sort of this line of people in love with each other. Mm -hmm. In order to not be married to Demetrius, Hermia and Lysander run off into the woods because they're going to elope Mm -hmm. Helena in order to get Demetrius into the woods, tells him that they're into the woods and all of them go there and shenanigans ensue Mm -hmm. then you've got the mechanicals who are this group of task men you know you've got a weaver you've got a bellows mender 
and they are rehearsing a play that they are going to put on at the wedding of King Theseus and Hippolyta, his fiance. And Bottom, Nick Bottom, the Kevin Klein character is sort of their star and we'll get, we, we will get into, into that as we go along. Uh, but then next we have to go to the final core group, which are the fairies, which the king and queen are Oberon and Titania. They are mad at each other really over this uh, changeling boy that they both want in their charge. And Titania has control of him. Oberon wants control of him. Mm-hmm. And Puck, Stanley Tucci, is Oberon's right-hand man. And Oberon says, go get this flower that makes people fall in love with the first person they see when they wake up. And this is part of his plan to get Titania to agree to give him the the kiddo. And then Oberon sees Helena getting very in her feels about Demetrius and says, you know what? take part of this flower and go put it on Demetrius's eyes so he falls in love with Helena. Puck gets mixed up and puts it on Lysander's eyes who then falls in love with Helena and again as we said earlier shenanigans ensue. Puck turns Nick Bottom into an ass because he can (laughs) And, and that is who Titania winds up falling in love with when she wakes up. Shenanigans ensue there as well. Mm-hmm. We go through the whole shebang. Everyone eventually winds up with exactly who they should. Everybody gets married at the same time. The play goes off seemingly without a hitch in this version, depending on which version you see. There's plenty of hitches. It depends on how much comedy you want. Yes. And then and then everyone goes goes to bed happily. Shakespeare comedy done. Yeah, I was um, surprised that the, I, I want to just ask you this, since you know the play super well, that it's that is how the play ends. That the the mechanicals get to put on their performance. Yes. Okay. Because that that was as as Michelle kind of vanishes into the ether with Rupert Everett. I was like, oh, we've still got thirty minutes left of this movie, and she's gone. Oh, we're really going to be here with the um the mechanicals for the rest of this. Uh, okay. All right generally because Theseus has a line at the end when they're all going up to bed that says something about it's it's the fairy's hour it's the fairy's time kind of thing and there's one last interval after all the Athenians have left where Titania and Oberon sort of have their last line of dialogue and Puck delivers that epilogue to the audience by himself but the Mm -hmm. fairies generally get the last moment in the stage version or at least that's how it's written they okay. don't hear aside from Puck, Puck's goodbye. Okay. Yeah, so I think I really only knew, I knew kind of the the two couples mainly. I knew kind of Puck's last speech. I knew that these kind of working men in this village were putting on play. I really didn't know anything about Michelle's role and what she, I kind of thought, okay, is she just going to be just sitting in her little on her little tree branch and being like, I'm the queen of the fairies. Is that what she's here to do? Then I realized, oh no, she's the one who has to fall in love with Nick Bottom. Cause yeah, he's the donkey. Yeah. So, but then I thought that was going to be even more shenanigans when it really seems like that just kind of gets wrapped up pretty simply and away they fly. 
Yes. I think that's nearly what I was surprised by that everything, which I guess in a Shakespeare comedy, of course is going to happen. But I was surprised that everything wraps up very neatly, just how it should be. But I guess that's to be expected. Yeah, it gets wrapped up very neatly and very quickly. Yeah. Because okay. it almost feel it, it feels like they always want the mechanicals play to sort of be the the climax, the eleven, the eleven o'clock number. And sometimes it can be. Like I for me personally, I think that always depends on who's playing your Francis flute. Because mm. if they're funny, they steal that fucking show when when they're playing Fisbee. It's foregone conclusion that if they're funny they're going to be who you remember when that when that show is over mm -hmm. um but really i feel like the the action really ends with the lovers big fight that's where everything kind of peaks mm -hmm. and then from that time onward everything starts tying up to the big fight being at this moment when they all with the big mud when they when, yes when mud. when the boys are both in love with helena and everyone is getting very mad at each other <laughs> Yeah, for some reason, I just thought there were more, there was much more conflict, much many more scenes of conflict than there were. But it makes sense that you have this really big showdown, this big old wrestling match in the mud. It makes sense. That's going to be your climactic argument. And I feel like that that is one of my main issues with this movie is I feel like, I feel like you shouldn't think that that there should be more action because I ah. feel like this play or any adaptation of this play should truck, like just boom, boom, boom. And it should feel like only 10 minutes have passed between that quarrel and the end. Mm. And mm -hmm. I feel like in this one, there's, there's far too much business, some of which is kind of cool little, skewings of things because of the time period they set it in mm -hmm. but then there's others where I'm just like we we don't need another another opera aria playing mm -hmm. so we can watch people walk around like move, move it along this is this is a comedy yeah what a good point because yeah there's so because yeah like around when they find like the lovers in the field after this night has ended and they're all together. I remember thinking, I feel like this is the end of the, this should be the end of the play here. Yeah. Yeah, we still have so much more to go. And then once we get to the end of the, once we get to their, the marriage and then the performance of the mechanicals play, it's, it's okay. <sighs> I think all the steam is worn out of it that once you get to this big climactic scene, I'm, I wasn't as, in, in, I was invested, but I wasn't, you know, it didn't have that movement like you're talking about, you know, where it really should, I agree with you, I think that can, that scene should be able to bring down the house if, if you wanted to, but it just doesn't. And I mean, we're, we're jumping very much to the, <laughs> to the end of the movie with this, but it's, I think that was just a misstep they made because of it, it's not necessarily a long sequence, the mechanicals play, but it does feel long here. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it was a misstep not making them more buffoonish. Mm -hmm. Because I think if you really had just camped it up and made it very 
silly and made all of them very bad actors, you still get the payoff when Flute does great. And even though he's not, you know, himself being a bad actor and staying in his falsetto and really just doing anything he can to be comedic, I still think you get that payoff of, oh, damn, he's a great actor Mm -hmm. in comparison to everybody else being even worse. Mm -hmm. And there's just something about, it's not enough that they're just forgetting their lines, although I love watching Roger Reese queen out screaming their lines at them. It's beautiful. But, but there's there again it, it has to truck like the energy just ha- it has to keep going forward and it doesn't do you think maybe this this version leaned in really more to languishing in the romance and the sensuality of it maybe more than i mean i think it can do both it can be funny and also be pretty romantic but it felt like this really just leaned into especially with all those arias leaning into the romance I just think it starts off on a pretty bad note myself because it's packed to the brim with talented people but that it does not get started until you get to the fairies Mm -hmm. like everything with Theseus and Hippolyta and the introduction of the lovers is so boring (laughs) in this one it is unbearably boring and so you're just kind of waiting for anything to happen and it it really doesn't get started until they hit the woods and then you have this really great middle section Mm -hmm. and then by god you get back to theseus and Hippolyta coming back on screen and that energy drops like a stone again and it's just like what why (laughs) and and i and i think you're right um, in, in terms of them really leaning into the romance, because I, I think that is certainly part of what they're doing with the time period they've set it in, that it is very buttoned up and repressed in, in terms of their clothing and, you know, the high, the high necks and, and everything like that. But it, it, it leans in it too hard in the beginning that it really it takes a lot to get that plane off the ground after that. Yeah, but speaking with the cast, like you said, they're, it's a stacked cast. Yeah. And they all did their table work. So <laughs> to me, I feel like for the most part, they all know what they're saying, which to me is the mark of, of people who came to, the, came to the party. You know, great, you know what you're talking about and you <laughs> have a handle on this dialogue. And kind of going down, like with the lovers, I was fine with them. Um, you know, I love Christian Bale in this moment in his career, kind of his 90s moment. Some of my favorite Christian Bale. And then with the two ladies, Callista and Anna, fine. I, I, those characters to me are not always, they're not the most interesting. See, I, I love Helena. Okay. I, lo- I love that role. Okay. I also really like Callista Flockhart, but I think she is wildly inconsistent in this one. Okay. And that's not to say that I think she's the, she's the worst performer, but I do, it is so odd to me that there are some things she does where I think, oh, that was really great. And then literally the next thing out of her mouth, I'm like, why did you do that? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very oddly inconsistent performance from her. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, again, everyone gets better the further in they go. Mm. 
my my favorite of those four is Dominic West. I I think he is a fantastic Lysander. Do you think there are certain qualities that you really have to lean into with each of those four characters where to pull them off? Is there? I think it depends on the director. Like, I feel like Hermia is always the one at the disadvantage because she is the most boring of the four. Anybody chasing after her, really. So I feel like, I feel like she is always the one at the disadvantage because she just kind of has to be, she's kind of Snow White. She's, Hmm. she's very pretty. Honestly, I just think it's funny when you make all four of them just horny, which they are. And and that is something that they lean into more and more when they're, you know, have the flower or even before the flower, like Lysander's trying to get busy in in the woods when they're falling asleep. And that's, uh, I feel like that's something that people forget when they cast adults in these roles is they are kids. (laughs) they they are teenagers with hormones ablazing which is why they want to get married at the drop of the hat and why they're you know just banging left and right mm-hmm. and so i i i just i think that that's that's always really funny i think it's really funny when helena is overly neurotic again i i feel like they i feel like they were very careful with the the mortals particularly in this version that they didn't go too overboard in whatever choices they made which i think is a mistake on on some counts but but yeah i very rarely do i think that the lovers are going to be the people you leave remembering anyway because yeah the it's much more fun with the fairies and the and the mechanicals yeah the fairies and the mechanicals just have more to do they they have more memorable stuff they have much more built-in personality because really the 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 most memorable part that the lovers have is the big fight Mm -hmm. and that I feel like you have to have really settled into what their personalities are in order for that to pay off well and I just I I'm not saying that Midsummer can't be filmed and filmed well but I do think it is one of the more stage-bound ones that it just inherently works better on stage than than one of the tragedies I mean how many good versions of Hamlet are there out on yeah that that have been filmed or Romeo and Juliet Mm -hmm. I I just you know or even I know it's I know it's a comedy too but like Branagh's Much Ado just Mm -hmm. feels like it lends itself maybe because it's you know on one ground you know Mm. one place where whereas i i don't know i feel like the shenanigans that occur in midsummer just lend itself to having more fun on stage than it does on film i think i thought the same thing where i was like this doesn't feel this seems like it would be really cool to imagine on screen but it doesn't really yeah it doesn't it's not a natural fit like you might think it would be i think you have to have a a director and a cast that are really game for capturing slapstick on film, mm-hmm. which I mean, we have Monty Python, we have Mel Brooks, like it can be done. There, mm-hmm. there are plenty of directors that are wonderful at capturing that, but I, you feel like you have to have a real sensibility to 
make some of the things that work really well on stage work on film. And that's that's sort of what Midsummer needs to thrive, I think. And getting to the more fun characters, um, you know, we've got, in terms of the main fairy people, we have, you know, the most beautiful humans, Rupert Everett, Michelle, and Stanley Tucci, which is just... They are... And yet so unfair. <laughs> they are so stupidly beautiful in this movie it it is un it is absurd it is absurd to watch them in this movie i would almost prefer they have no costumes because to because the way they have michelle outfitted she's got you know a set of curtains on her shoulders and then she's got beautiful wig stardust wig totally her wig from stardust yes and then I'm not sure it was on the what she was wearing on the bottom. I assume nothing. <laughs> um, just yeah, they're just all collectively stunning. And so, and I wonder if they almost, especially I think Michelle probably leaned into this part. She knows that she's the the most beautiful fairy. She's the queen of the fairies. She's the most beautiful fairy. And so she has all these fairies at her disposal. And I love that. Um, she doesn't need to lord over these fairies, but you know that she does on the daily and that they're all collectively sick of her. The fact that she makes them, you know, lift her up in her little cradle above the ground. To me, it's like, yeah, I don't really need to see her, you know, slap a fairy across the face. I know she's probably a tough boss to these fairies. Oh yeah. All of them are. No, and you can tell that from her first line of dialogue. Like they open those curtains and she starts talking and you're like, this bitch is in charge. (laughs) She is in charge. Oh yeah, this is her kingdom. Yeah. Mr. Oberon's lucky to be here today. (laughs) Rupert Everett and that body glitter. I don't even like body glitter and I like it on Rupert Everett in this movie. He really had a beautiful, they both did, even though... It's, I did not know that subplot about the, um, the little, the child, the yeah. Indian child that, that um, Oberon wants to bring over to his side. I didn't really know that plot of the play. So it really- It's of no importance. It is, but it's really of no importance. But they, to me, I was like, okay, I really believe that there is, there, they have a, it's not a thorn in the side. They're not a relationship, but they've they've got a they've they've got beef with each other. Yeah. So they do a really good job of setting up their opposition to each other, and then it makes their reunion at the end really sweet. <laughs> and um, but yeah, they they both have such a good handle on though that really more poetic dialogue that Shakespeare gives them. And yeah, I I just love that first scene of Michelle just fully um just sitting in her little in her little chariot yeah i mean i i love watching them go at it because she's just got this very regal attitude that rupert everett balances with this smolder he has through the entire mm-hmm. movie and it's they're a great they're a great pair to watch and i like stanley tucci as puck he's great yeah he's a he's a blast and yeah, I, I guess now it's time to talk because I was going to bring up with what Michelle's plot does involve turning Kevin Klein into an ass. And so there are quite, there's quite a bit of her screen time is with Mr. Kevin Klein. Yes. And I 
did I think he got better as the movie went on? No, I don't. Did I pretty much not like him from the start? Absolutely. <laughs> I think he's doing too much too soon. Is that even how the character is supposed to, it seems that is how the character is supposed to be, but I almost feel like Kevin Klein does too much. I mean, it, it's Shakespeare. Everybody has a different interpretation, but I don't know. I don't, I don't like that whole setup that they do for the first mechanicals meeting where it's in front of a crowd and like he's performing for the crowd. Mm. And there's that, mo that the, what really turns me off in that moment is when they have those kids pour wine on him and everybody's laughing and there's this shot of Kevin Klein looking like a whipped dog and all the other mechanicals feeling super bad for him. And it's just like, I'm not supposed to feel bad for him. Like he, he's supposed to be a douchebag and that's why he gets turned into an ass because he is an ass. <laughs> that's, that is the entire point. And it's just like, I don't, I don't enjoy Kevin Klein playing bottom like Fraser Crane. Mm -hmm. it, it, makes, it makes no sense for him to be that brand of pompous. Mm -hmm. Like, even if he's a good actor, I think he still drives people crazy. Like him constantly, every time someone gets assigned a new role, him saying, actually, fuck that. Like, I, I can play everything. I mean, yeah. Me, I can do the whole show. I can play the moon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to roar like the lion. It's fine. <laughs> it, it's, it's not funny, is, is the thing. I think he can be pompous, and I think he can be arrogant, but it's, it's got to be funny. And, and Kevin Klein, the way he's doing it, it is not funny to me. And, and he is my biggest... He is my biggest problem with this movie. And then they're trying to add in wordless subplot of maybe he's having trouble at home with his wife. And I, I literally wrote down Bottom's wife, question mark. Why? Who's trying to humanize this character? That's not... And again, like going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, these men are buffoons. It's what we all know even when it makes no goddamn sense there's a clown in every Shakespeare play yeah. and he put five of them in this one like they are clowns yeah so I, again I think there's very interesting things they've done here like make giving flute that moment in the play but they're those guys are the comic relief like I, I wish that they had felt more confident in making them sillier in, in really making them funny because there are moments in this movie where you really wish there were more laughs and that's what they are there to do where if you have a really boring quartet of lovers or you know god forbid your Oberon or Titania just suck when you get back to the mechanicals that it lifts it right back up and even though they they could have been amped up more. The group that we get are pretty great. I just adored just sweet Sam Rockwell and Roger Reese and dear Bill Irwin and, and baby Gregory Jabbar as the lion. Oh, we're gonna roar. <laughs> <laughs> Who played Moonshine? Who played the moon? Because that really did work my shit out when they opened that 
when they open the, the window for the moon and it's a brick wall. That's funny. <laughs> that is just funny. Max Wright is moonshine. Okay. And then they kept on going to Ninny's tomb and Roger Reese is about to- Ninus! Ninus is too. I mean, that's what I, that's what I wanted the whole time. That's what I wanted. That's what I think you wanted too, just that let him just go balls the wall. And, and I think maybe that's why I don't like Kevin Klein is because he really, he really throws the group out of whack. Sam Rockwell has some genuinely funny moments at the top when he's just like, I've got a beard coming in. <laughs> Can't be a lady. Mm-hmm. And then Gregory Jabara is is doing what all what what all lions should do. He's just real dumb, mm-hmm. and it's and it's precious. And Ro- and R- Roger Reese is a theater queen, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like they've all made really good choices. Where even if they're not allowed to be clowns, they've still got a good group dynamic. And then Kevin Klein comes in, and it just and shoots it all to hell. Even with him as I wanted him to even do, it's funny where I wanted him to do less in his mortal moments when he is a, when he's an ass, I almost wanted even more braying and whinnying and a little bit more of donkeyisms. Cause I, what is, there's just some moments when he would, you know, he does the, like, you know, that kind of blows the, <laughs> blows his lips out. I was like, no, 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 do that again. Do it like a, a real donkey would, Mr. Klein. I, that's what we're here to be. That's what we're here to do today. What I loved was that Michelle got a bigger laugh out of me in his sequences than he did. There, there's a portion right at the end when he's talking. She's asking him what he wants to eat or something. Yeah. And he's just like, I want hay, sweet hay. And she's just nodding at him and going, ah, uh huh. Oh. And she's kind, she's kind of ready for homeboy to go home. <laughs> she's. Yeah she's had enough and it's and yeah I was dying laughing at her reaction to him but it had very little to do with what he was doing (laughs) and when she and when she and when she wakes up after Oberon breaks the spell and she turns and realizes that she has indeed lain with an ass I felt that I felt shock we've all had those Saturday mornings yeah when you when you wake up next to Kevin Klein who amongst us has not just ask Patty Lapone. But yeah, I, is that really all that Titania really has to do in the play? Is that really most of her kind of track? Yeah. yeah. I still I mean, think Michelle makes, makes her meal out of it. No, she, I, I think she does a beautiful job with it. And it's so funny how many connections are to her past work because it's her one fine day director who is directing this. And then she's got costumes from Gabriella Pesca Prescucci from Age of Innocence. She's got, she's got Gregory Jabara again. She not, does. Once again, not on screen together, but he's still there. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a good adaptation of this play, I think. It's not completely dismal. No, it has more than enough stuff to, to recommend it. It's, it's fun. The cast is really great. It's one of those that I think it's just sort of toward the middling end of the Shakespeare adaptation period, because I think you got your strongest stuff with the the Branaghs mm-hmm. of this period. And this one 
try, tries to do exactly that because you've got this this stacked cast adapting a really popular title and I just don't think it quite reaches the levels of of greatness that some of his the uh, some of Branagh's adaptations have. And you've been watching for your project. You've been watching some older Shakespeare, even like the forties, right? Or maybe yeah. I just watched the Olivier Hamlet for the first time. Do you get a sense of how of the difference between like the the kind of the nineties crop of adaptations we got compared to how they were made? In the is, can you tell any kind of difference? I think it's just the way they approach the language. I, I feel like the Olivier Hamlet, there's a lot of moments where it kind of feels like a film stage production, mm-hmm. uh, just in the terms of, of how some of the actors are delivering their lines. Eileen mm-hmm. uh, Hurley as Gertrude, it was very interesting watching her because the first scene she was in, she did feel very stage bound. And it was the, oh, Hamlet, the sort of thing that you sort of equate with Shakespeare of the 40s when it was big and grand and no one gave a shit and -hmm. then she sort of settles in with the bigger dramatic scenes into doing some really interesting stuff that work on film Mm -hmm. but I feel like like the Branagh adaptations and and this and feel like they just come at it from a much more natural corner like almost to completely circumvent that filmed stage version feeling mm-hmm. like we are making a movie yeah. there will be nothing like a stage version in this movie sort of sort of thing i guess we have the baz Luhrmann romeo and juliet in the middle there too i think he I think 96 yeah leo did that right before titanic i think yeah um that even feels like we're completely taking any stage out of the equation <laughs> almost i and and maybe that maybe that's it. There, there also seems to be a lot less reverence for having it set in the period. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you just get you get a little bit more experimental, like you know, Branagh sort of moving his Hamlet to the the Ampere period, and we even got that Ethan Hawke Hamlet. Remember? Oh, the Ethan Hawke camp. The nineties just beat Hamlet into the ever-loving ground. They really, everybody wanted to do it. <laughs> that, that Ethan Hawke Hamlet has some choices. I mean, that, made. One, that one ain't it for me. <laughs> no, I have my issues with the, the, that fucking Mel Gibson Hamlet, but even that one has, has more to recommend than the Ethan Hawke Hamlet. It's just misstep after misstep. Is the Mel Gibson Hamlet nine, 90s as well? Yes. We, we need to stop. The, three. We had three of them. In a decade. In a decade. It's too much. Yeah. Poor Glenn Close. She tries with Gertrude and they're just not letting her do anything. Only reason to watch the Mel Gibson Hamlet is to watch uh, HBC as Ophelia. She is, she is quite wonderful. Oh, great. Oh, I do want to mention this about, I really, I thought the, I thought the physical comedy with the bicycles was actually pretty funny. Well, thank God they had it with that stupid introduction at the beginning. With, oh, you mean with, with like the with bicycle, with the, with the title card, right? So the text like, that was just like, you're gonna be too stupid to realize this. This is the age of the bicycle. Here's Midsummer. 
Just the way you said that, this is the age of the bicycle. <laughs> Here's Midsummer. Oh my God. Literally what it did. Just like if we don't tell them that the bicycle was just invented, they will question why it's there. And now I'm just like, why? What, what, who thought of that idea? I mean, I, I think it's fun, but who maybe thought of that? You know, I know what we'll do. We'll have them race around the forest on their bikes. I think they could have got a lot more mileage out of Calista Flockhart on that bicycle than they did. I wanted her to fall down those stairs. I Yeah, I wanted to see her like flying down the hillside on that bicycle, going full, like full pelt down the mountainside. She's the one wearing pants. So clearly she's she's out here loving the bike. I did think that it was funny that one of the most, what felt the most stage bound antics that they did involved the bicycle, a clear choice for this movie, which is where Stanley Tucci is discovering the bicycle. Was that seven minutes we, we needed? Absolutely not, but it was it was fun he was having fun with it and that and that's the thing like stanley tucci has a lot of unnecessary shit in this movie but at least he's selling it he's riding on that turtle he's riding around on that bicycle puck on that turtle is is great i wanted michelle to get on a bicycle can you imagine <laughs> uh i'd watch rupert everett ride a bicycle i'm not gonna say anything to that it's not, fine not go. <laughs> we're, we're both on the same page <laughs> not going to go there through today um we know what he's writing um one thing i have noticed in productions more and more and there was a little bit of it in this one this whole thing is i really like when there's some homoerotic ness going on with oberon and puck oh sure i think it's a i think it's a really fun choice a very interesting choice depending on how it's played that is very much there in mm -hmm. in the text there was one, is it the Globe? I think the Globe did a, a, a version that was taped and made for purchase. Mm -hmm. And Oberon and Puck like made out at one point. I think it was when Puck did something right. It was one of the moments where things really go Oberon. Oh, it's when Puck says that Titania is in love with, uh, with Bottom. Mm -hmm. And Oberon got real excited and picked up Puck, who was like half his size and planted one on him. And I was just like, this is, I, I love this Shakespeare. Give me more. Great. Would you like to, um, yeah, just share that copy with me, please. And I'd love, I'd love to see it. <laughs> would, I would like this as my uh, Christmas present. Yeah, I would love to see that. And I also, I, I enjoyed, I did enjoy the amount of skin they showed in this one. Uh, and I think that's that's something else that I don't know if this was the one that really kicked it off, but I feel like more and more productions kind of lean in to that sort of repressed nature, despite what time period it's set in, kind of coming mm -hmm. apart when they go into the forest. And that mm -hmm. that sort of, they become more fairy-like and less inhibited, meaning the clothes come off yeah. sort of thing. I had, I had very much forgotten that Dominic's West's ass is just out in this yeah. movie. I was thrilled. Christian Bale didn't have to do much for Batman, did he? He didn't have to do much working out, as far as I could tell. That's, that's a beautiful man. 
I love that you are firmly in the Christian Bale camp and I am firmly in the Dominic West camp. I guess my, I was going to ask you, you know, who would you pick if you were Hermia at the beginning of this play? But clearly I know who you're picking. You know who I'm picking. Case. But I'm also a Helena. But you can't have Christian Bale because I have Christian Bale. Right. But I'm a Helena. So I get Dominic West. I'm set. Wait, no, don't, don't, but you're Hermia if you get Dominic West. Callista Flockhart's Helena. No, well, so, but then she wants Demetrius, and so that's Christian Bale. Oh, fuck, it is. See? Oh, you tricked me. Okay. I tricked you, huh? Okay. You did. Anyway, I think we, I know who you want. You know who I want. (laughs) We're we're gonna swap. It's fine. I, I, I made a note of this about (laughs) David Strathairn. And his whole... Sweet Sophie Marceau does not want to be in this movie. No. Do either of them want to be in this movie? Maybe David. I feel like David Strathairn is trying his best. But again, that's those characters were the ones that they were just like, we need you because you say some important things, but we don't really know what to do with you. Yeah, because isn't he... He's the king of Athens. Yes. And isn't she a goddess. So Hippolyta is queen of the Amazons. Yeah. And one thing they don't go into in this version is that Theseus basically conquered her and is kind of forcing her into into wedlock. They they don't go into that in in this one, which is probably for the best considering everything else they have going on in the length of this movie but yeah it it really just sort of begs the question like why are you there why didn't you cut more of this seriously just to the salient plot points that they have to deliver it made no sense to me that that they were the ones to okay the unions of the two couples it felt like well it didn't seem like they just they couldn't figure out a way to fit them into this vision that they had for for this for this world they were going to set the play in. So to me, I'm like, okay, so he's just the grand duke of the town, and she's his wife. Why? What? What? This doesn't seem that important that they are getting married and that they have this power. They it didn't seem that they could figure that out. Yeah, you you unfortunately can't cut them entirely well that's not true if you really wanted to you could cut hippolyta you can't you can't cut theseus he he's the one that sort of sets down the decree that he's the one that gives hermia her deal which is what kicks off that whole arc Mm -hmm. and he's the one getting married for the mechanicals to perform at so you can cut him down to almost nothing, but you can't cut him entirely. Yeah, that that was just the thing. I was like, I bet this works in a period appropriate setting for this play. I'm sure it's fine. But yeah, in this version, oh man, that did not work very well. And again, like, why didn't they just get through that as quickly as possible? That was the thing. It's so clear they don't know what to do with those characters, but we spend a lot of time with them i i wrote down the note give stanley's chest an oscar yeah this this was a uh, this movie was filled with chests 
filled with it filled male female just filled with chests and we were the better for it we were michelle getting woken up by bottom and rolling over she just looks beautiful yeah michael hoffman really with one fine day in this he knew really how to make her look just completely just incredible in both those he really knew who he was working with yeah he really outdid himself this time it's just pretty like like flaws aside it is a very pretty adaptation production design costume wise makeup cannot say anything bad about that uh so i guess if we're if we've exhausted ourselves with a midsummer night's dream shall we move on to six degrees of michelle pfeiffer sure but i did want to ask if you have a favorite shakespeare play Ooh, it's funny it kind of changes like each one i do like i always found that you know when i did as you like it that was my favorite when i did macbeth that was my favorite i think i'll i think hamlet it's a, good, it's a good one. There's a reason everyone does it. I think that's mine. What about you? I always go back and forth because I do love Midsummer, like for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Uh, but I also, I really love Macbeth. Yeah, Macbeth's great. Ugh. Do you have yeah. a least favorite? Um, you know, because I've, I've not read all of them. I have not read all of them. Yeah. So, so I can't I can't tell you. I don't have a least favorite one because I haven't experienced one that I've really disliked yet. Oh, well, that's good. But again, I'm really, uh, I'm really behind my Shakespeare education. I really learned, learned it just through the doing. So I really had no, like I know about iambic pentameter, but I've never done a full study of it. Sure. I'm really excited for that Macbeth though, later this year with Denzel and Francis. Oh, sweet Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. All right. The, the six degrees of it all? Yes, so six degrees is the game we play um, to wrap up each episode, where we each give each other uh, the name of an actor or an actress, and we connect them back to Michelle's filmography in Six People or Less. Was, was, did I do all right? It was so good. Oh, thank you. We're just getting better and better. I, now this is the ticket to who, who gave last, who was started last time, I think. I think you need to give me give me this time. Okay. What if I give you Hope Davis? Can I do like a mini series? Would that count? <sighs> Sir. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Man, my brain is like mush today with these people. Um, Actually, you know what? I'm gonna do something that is probably gonna be very easy, but that we haven't done before, which is the original six degrees person, Kevin Bacon. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So, Kevin Kevin Bacon was in Footloose with uh, John Lithgow. He's the preacher in Footloose, is that right? Uh-huh. Who is in... No. Ooh, no. Scratch John Lithgow. Scratch John Lithgow. Mm-mm. Okay. So... Kevin Bacon is in Footloose with Diane Weist. Yes, he is. Who is in um, Bullets Over Broadway with Jennifer Tilly. Is that the Tilly sister? It is. 
who is in um, the fabulous Baker Boys with Michelle. Who can make sunrise? Sprinkle it with dew. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Man, I think that's the first time it's ever taken me like two two tries to really kind of nail down something huh i was very i was very curious to see where john lithgow was leading okay so mine for you let's see how mine this goes for you is um bill murray okay okay now do we go old school bill murray or do we go post 2000s okay so Michelle is in Mother with Javier Bardem, mm -hmm. who is in Vicky Cristina Barcelona with Scarlett Johansson, mm -hmm. who is in Lost in Translation with Bill Murray. Oh, fabulous. Oh, well, Pfeiffer fans, since that was our six degrees, this has been another episode of Pfeiffer Fridays. Um, I am Michael McLean, and you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Michael D. McLean. And I am Jerry Downey, and you can follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd at JerryDowney913. Please remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It makes us easier to find so we can continue to spread the Michelle gospel. You can also find updates about the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Pfeiffer Fridays. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you again next week for Five for Fridays. Ill met by moonlight, proud Titania. What jealous Oberon. Fairy skip hence, I have forsworn his bed and company. Terry! Rash, wanton, am not I thy lord? Then I must be thy lady. Why art thou here? Come from the farthest step of India, but that forsooth the bouncing Amazon, your buskined mistress and your warrior love. To Theseus must be wedded, and you come to give their bed joy and prosperity. <laughs>